you would take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first seven verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, under the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. You know how often we go through day-to-day life assuming that things will be a certain way. Taking for granted that life and liberty, you know, they're all gifts of God. They're granted to us by the will of God. And, you know, it really is granted to us by God. It's of His power and privilege to serve God. But, you know, we've been reminded the past several months how fragile those liberties are in a sin-cursed world. And how unreliable man really is. And the only thing that we can be certain about is what is granted to us by the will of God. And those things have been granted to us with a purpose. So this morning I'm going to look at granted by the will of God. Let's pray and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. I pray that as we look into the word of God today that we would allow you by your spirit, as the author of this book, Uh, to speak to our hearts, to encourage us, to strengthen us, uh, to meet our needs, to challenge us. Those of us who know Christ as Savior, we have a purpose given to us by the will of God. And I pray that if there's any in our midst who do not have that assurance of salvation, they're uncertain, they fear of the future, I pray that today they would realize that they can have hope, that we're here to help. And we can bring comfort and grace because of the grace and comfort that has been given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have your will and way in this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we think about the things that have been granted to us by the will of God, I want to notice three things, and I have some sub-points. First of all, as Paul addresses the church at Corinth, he talks about our position in God. Our position in God. Verse 1 he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Now, when he addresses them as the church of God, that was not the name of the church. They were just called churches of God at that time. 
but so okay, he addresses this letter to the church of God and, and at Corinth. And you know, as we think about our position, their position, our position, we are the church. The assembly. That word church means assembly. We are the assembly of God. We are, notice, saints. Saints. Now, understand which church in the New Testament Paul is writing to. In chapter 3, he says, you walk as carnal, as babes in Christ. But you know, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he again called them saints. The word saint means most holy thing. So I'm looking at holy things this morning. It reminds us how careful as a pastor I need to be in telling you the truth. You know, some people will just give you a piece of their mind, <laughs> their opinion. It's not what we're supposed to do. No, saint means most holy things set, a, set apart, something that's exclusively for the service of God. Again, this was the people of the church at Corinth, and they were saints. It's not some superficial name. It was who they were. It is who we are in Christ. We are a people made holy. (laughs) And Paul uses this terminology in almost every epistle. For example, in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, again in verse 2, he says, Under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Then when he wrote the church to Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 1 through 4, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, and there again is the idea, holy and without blame before him in love. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of the saints, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. And when he wrote to Colossae in Colossians chapter 1, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, if and, if and if he were to send us an epistle or a letter today, he would say to the saints at Lighthouse Baptist Church, But the reality is, he has. He has sent us a letter. And this is it. This is it. We're reading it. You know, when, he sent the, when Paul sent the letter, the epistle, which was by divine inspiration, it was the word of God that he had penned, that he was used of God to pen, and he sent it to Colossae. And he told the Colossians, you... You send it to lay the seal also. 
and you read the letter from Laodicea. Now, we don't have record of the letter to Laodicea. It was not inspired. But the one at Colossae was. So this, this letter of Colossae, he says, you're to send it around to all churches. It isn't just written for you, Colossae. It's written for Laodicea also. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 17, it says, But God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every man, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. So he's saying, I ordained this in all churches. I ordained this in the church at Corinth. I ordained it in the church at Ephesus. I ordained it for the churches in Galatia, which was a region. I ordained it for the church at Philippi and for the church at Colossae and for the church at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Rollsville. Revelation 22.16, I, Jesus, sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. You see, we have received a message from God. First Corinthians ten eleven it says that the, the, that this this word was unto whom the end of the world hath come, and that's us. It's written for our admonition, for our learning. And so this word has been written to us, to us as saints made holy by God. If you received a letter from a friend, would you read it, or you just take it home and lay it on the coffee table? Do you read God's letter to you? Your first John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. You see, this is a message to encourage us in our position and challenge us in our practice. And God calls his children saints. That's our position in Christ. He calls his children disciples. They were called disciples because they are learners. That's what disciple means, a learner or a follower. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. He calls us believers because of our faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Saints. Because of our character, Peter wrote, Be holy, for I am holy. Brethren, brethren, because of our relationship. Romans tells us, Ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus said, Go tell my brethren. And I go before them into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Brethren, we are brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, used two times in the Bible because of our conformity to Christ. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. What a wonderful privilege that you and I have as children of God And our position we have in Christ. We are saints. Saints. The saints of God at Lighthouse Baptist Church.
That's our position. Let's turn to secondly, our participation with God. Now, our participation is a sharing in benefits or profits because of our relationship with the Lord. So as children of God, as saints, you know, we have benefits that are special to us. Now, I understand that there are special benefits that going along with being a biler. That if you have cake, you also have milk. Some have figured that out at the buyer's house, you know, and some have copied that. Uh, but there are special privileges that go along with being in the Hoyle family or in the Welch family because your relationship. See, because we have a relationship with God, we are His children, there are special benefits that are just exclusive to us that the world doesn't understand or comprehend, and cannot. And first of all, I want you to notice several sub-points here, and then some sub-points. Uh, some origin, the origin of those benefits is our God, our Father. Verse 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. You see, the origin of these benefits that we have, that are exclusive to us as children of God, is from God, the Father. The word Father here actually means the originator or the transmitter of anything. The author of a family or society of persons. It's used in John 8.44, speaking about the, the Pharisees and their father, the devil. Jesus said, ye are of your father, the devil. The lust of your father, ye will do. In other words, the origin of your lifestyle and your lust is your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speak of the lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father, or the originator of it. And so, God, our Father, is the origin of all these blessings or benefits that, that we have as children of God. It's not of us. It's of Him. <coughs> Excuse me. We have, first of all, we have grace. In verse 2 again, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, the favor of God, undeserved favor of God. You know, there's grace for every need and trial. Peter said in 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12.9, The Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, is made perfect in weakness. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, grace appropriated is the enabling strength and power of God to endure hardships of life as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, if you're going to be a soldier, there are going to be hardships. Your life's not your own. It's not your own. You go where you're ordered. You do what you're commanded. And if you don't, you're no longer a soldier. Your life's not your own. And there's, there's hardships. I remember one man told me that he was in, when he was in desert, what was the first 
Desert Storm War. Desert Storm, I believe it was. He was in Desert Storm. And for three days of action, no sleep. And he said, you know, they, 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 they come up to a certain place, and there was a law, and he said, we just laid on the ground, and we were asleep just like that, because they had not slept in three days. That's sometimes the hardships of the life of a soldier. You see, we're to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And grace is the, 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 the favor of God, the, the grace that God gives to us to endure those hardships. To overcome the trials of life. Paul faced trial after trial after trial and tribulation after tribulation and even a thorn in his own flesh. And yet he was able to overcome those by the grace of God. It's really resting in the power of God. And asking God to give us strength to do the things we cannot do in our own strength. Grace is a favor of God. That's a benefit that we have. There's peace, verse 2 again. Blessed be the God, uh, grace, grace be to you and peace from God our Father. Peace is a state of mind. It's to be at rest. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says... Let your moderation, uh, not, sorry, be, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God is a state of mind, it's a state of rest, that when we, we, we trust in God and His grace, that we are at rest. Somebody has said, grace is the cause, peace is the effect. Grace is what God gives, peace is what we receive. And peace will be in proportion to the grace we appropriate. If we don't rely on the grace of God, we won't have the peace of God. Grace is the enabling favor and power of God to overcome our fears and doubts, which results in peace of God that passeth all understanding. And these come from God. There's a third thing, third benefit, mercy. If you notice verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Peter in 1 Peter 1, 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, God is, he's called here, it's interesting that he's called the Father of mercies. He's the origin of mercy. If you and I got what we deserved, we'd all be in hell right now. But because God is merciful, by the way, if the devil had his way, we'd all be in hell right now. Because he's a liar and a murderer. And he hates you because you're made in the image of God. You know, the devil doesn't know what love is. He only knows what manipulation is to get you to do what he wants. 
The world doesn't know what love is. That's what they do. They manipulate you to get you to do what they want. They really don't love you. Lamentations chapter 3 is Jeremiah looked over the city of Jerusalem and just as the captivity had been taken, they had been taken captive to Babylon, the city had been destroyed. He says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. You think about the nations that were before Israel, and God said to go in and utterly destroy them. And yet, because of the mercy of God, He didn't utterly destroy Israel. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, God is a God of mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. That's really what mercy means. Not He withholds what we deserve. He has compassion. A fourth benefit we have is comfort. Again, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The word comfort, <laughs> excuse me, means, according to Thayer's lexicon, solace or cheer which comes from a happy lot or a prosperous state of things. It means to soothe, to console, or to reassure. This is the, the dictionary definition. To bring cheer or to bring relief in affliction. And the Bible says here that the God is the God of all comfort. Verse 4, he tells us, he comforteth us in all our tribulation. You know, we are born sinners and born in sorrow. So, you know, somebody said we're born sinners and sorrowers. I'm not sure sorrowers is a word, but we're born sinners and sorrowers. We're born in sorrow. Job said in Job 5, 7, Yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. Chapter 14, verse 1, Man that is born on woman is a few days and full of trouble. But we can have the comfort of God, and the comfort of God is more than just sympathy that soothes our hurts. Our comfort comes from the comforter, a person. Remember John 14, 18, as Jesus was spending those last few hours with his disciples before he was crucified, and they were lamenting that he was going to leave them, and he said, uh, I will not leave you comfortless. And the word comfortless there means, has the idea, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. Without someone to come alongside and comfort to encourage you. To soothe you, if you will. And our comfort of God is the person of the Holy Spirit who comforts us in our sorrow and our affliction. He strengthens us. He's the balm of Gilead. You know, we can take comfort in His Word. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Uh, in John 15.13, Jesus said, you know, we can take comfort in His love. Greater love hath no man than this, and the man lay down his life for his friends. You know, we can take comfort in His presence. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, this is the comfort we have from the God 
of all comfort. But there are some prerequisites to these benefits. There's some prerequisites. In other words, there's some requirements. Verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, I mentioned that we are born sinners and sorrows, and the remedy for sin and sorrow is redemption that God offers to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody has said, quote, sin was met by crucifixion, sorrow was met by resurrection, unquote. See, we're all born sinners. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. Ecclesiastes 7.20 tells us, There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sin not. Job said in Job 14.4, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. When two sinners get married and have children, they have a child that's a sinner. (laughs) That's the way it is. Because we have sin natures. So there can't be a clean thing come out of an unclean thing. And for someone to receive the benefits of our gracious and merciful God, they must be brought into relationship with Him. They must experience regeneration. Or be born again. You know, the remedy for sin and sorrow is just historical facts. The crucifixion and the resurrection. They're just historical facts until you and I repent. And by faith, lay hold of them in personal acceptance of Christ as Lord and our Savior. Otherwise, they're just historical facts. We get to make them personal to ourselves. There has to be a point of contact between sin and sorrow and God's mercy and God's comfort. And that point of contact is the new birth. Ye must be born again. Your mercy is not the fruit of good intentions. Any more than comfort is the consequence of our yearnings. But when we reach out in faith to embrace the Son of God as Lord and Savior, the point of contact is reached. And we can have mercy and comfort that God gives to us and gushes to us like an artesian well. You know, in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, the Bible says in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, say, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. See, Jesus is speaking there of the Spirit of God who would take residence in a person and that God's uh, 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 mercy and His comfort would be their portion like, like rivers of living water, abundant and free, like an artesian well. That's the picture there. 
It just boils, bubbles over. Of course, this requires the new birth. Many want life, but they're not willing to die to self or repent of their sin. But God is the Father of mercies. He's the origin of mercy. It is not His desire that, to give us what we deserve. You know, the word mercy means compassion, pity, or a heart of compassion. Again, withholding what we deserve. And Jesus, of course, was representative of the Father. Colossians 2.9 tells us that in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the Bible tells us that He was moved with compassion on them, on the multitudes, many times. You know, that's the way our Father is. He's just like that. He's full of compassion. After all... Jesus said, John 8, 29, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not let me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And the works that my Father gave me to do, that do I also, is what he said. So this mercy comes from God, the Father. He is the origin of mercy. In the Old Testament, Numbers 14, 18, the Bible says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. But he is long-suffering of a great mercy. Psalm 145, 8, The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, of great mercy. The best descriptive picture, I believe, of God's mercy is found in Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, where it says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You see, God doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Because he is merciful. But though his mercy is extended to all, yet it is only granted to those who repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Those who are willing to turn away from their sin and receive him. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, he's not careless. He's not slow. He's not loitering. He's not wasting time. Some people say, I don't know why the Lord don't come. Well, the Bible gives us the answer why he hasn't come yet. He is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. It's not God's desire that any person It doesn't matter how evil we may think they are. It's not God's desire that any person perish, go to hell for all eternity. You see, he's waiting for that last soul to repent 
He is a God of mercy and a God of comfort. But I want you to notice also the purpose of our benefits. In verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort we we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the during of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. You see, the purpose of our benefits, receiving grace and peace and mercy and comfort, the purpose of all those benefits to us is so that we can minister those benefits to others. You know, can one really know and understand comfort and mercy until you've experienced it? Can one really understand comfort until you've suffered and lost your comfort? And one cannot understand the need of salvation until they realize they're lost. The problem with the world today is, many in the world today is, They don't think they're lost. Therefore, they don't need to be saved. See, the Pharisees didn't think they were lost. Jesus told them plainly, Ye are of your father the devil. But they didn't think they were lost. We be Abraham's seed. Well, I go to so-and-so Baptist church, and I was baptized when I was 12 years old. Well, la-di-da. What does that mean? Nothing. Do you have a relationship with God? They said, tell me one time, well, I've been a Christian all my life. I knew he was lost, obviously. See, we can't understand the need of salvation or the need of comfort until we lose it. And God's purpose in saving us is twofold. Number one, God desires to bring us into fellowship with himself. 1 John chapter 1 tells us that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship was with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 8 tells us that his delights are with the sons of men. God desires fellowship with you and I. And his purpose in saving us is to have fellowship with us, just as he had fellowship with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. He desires fellowship with us. Secondly, he desires for us to be a witness of the mercy and comfort of God to others. See, God's desire is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. See, God desires for all men to be saved, and he has saved us with the purpose not only to fellowship with him, but also to be a witness of his mercy and his comfort to a world that's lost and in sorrow. Somebody said, quote, God's mercy and comfort that comes to us in our tribulation is intended as spiritual equipment through experience that we who have been comforted may be able to comfort others who are in trouble. Unquote. And if one does not have a right relationship with God, they are in trouble. They may not know it. They're in serious trouble. That word trouble here in verse 4, where it says we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. The word trouble means distress or in a strait. In other words, a strait is a position of difficulty or need. If a person doesn't have a right relationship with God, they're in trouble. <coughs> they're, as it were, headed for a, a, a cliff. They're headed for death and destruction and misery. And it isn't over like that. It goes on and on and on for all eternity. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And if we have received his mercy, his salvation, and his comfort, we can minister to the sin and suffering of others. Somebody said, quote, we really cannot feel another sorrow unless we have felt the sting of pain. Great hearts can only be made by great troubles. The spade of trouble digs the reservoir of comfort deeper, makes more room for the water of consolation. Unquote. Whoever will feel the keenest and serve the best must have his feelings hurt the most. Was it Mary Magdalene that washed his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair? And this is what Jesus said. She's forgiven much. She also loves much. You know, the Psalms were written with a pen dipped in affliction. David made many of the Psalms fleeing for his life and sore trials and affliction. And we that have been born again, been given new life, should know the experience of victory and trials of life as we yield to the Spirit of God and find comfort in Him. And we can be, we can minister to others who do not understand, know or understand the mercy and comfort 
or the grace and peace of God that only God can give. That's our purpose. We're to be a witness and testimony for our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if he saved us just to have fellowship with him, why didn't he just take us to heaven? No, we have a purpose here. Till our Lord comes for us. We're going to talk more about this next time, next week. We see, we've been granted all these things by the will of God. But you know, it's God's will that every person know and experience these benefits. And it's our purpose to make them known to those that don't know them as his witness. Have you experienced his grace, his peace, his mercy, and his comfort? Have you been born again? Are you a witness ministering to others of that need in their life?